Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre coming up on today's program, Theology Thursday. We will conclude our spring, summer, into fall uh, long study of Dr. Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Politics, Returning God to Government. That study will conclude today, which reminds me, gentlemen, we got to figure out what we're going to do for Theology Thursday next. And overtime. <laughs> and overtime, indeed. Uh, our, my oldest daughter, Anastasia, will be here later today for three non-political questions uh, as well. Um, at the bottom of the hour here today, we are going to be joined by our good friend and resident proof that not all heroes wear capes. Dr. Peter McCullough will be here at the bottom of the hour. Before we get to all of that, however, I don't know if you guys saw, I retweeted this economic analysis yesterday. This, uh-oh. This, yeah, this is an uh-oh. This is an uh-oh. Okay. And this is the kind of thing, Todd, families like yours have been wrestling with here in the housing market this year. In order to return to pre-pandemic levels of affordability of housing, one of these three things has to happen. Incomes have to spike 55%. That's never happening. That's never happening. Uh, U.S. home prices need to fall 35%. We don't want that to happen. All right. The previous thing we would love to happen, and it never will, that thing we don't want to happen. Okay, that, that's, that's where we start talking, you know, dust bowls and, uh, and soup lines. Okay, you don't want that. Okay. Or mortgage rates need to fall a full four points. That won't be easy either. That seems like the most achievable of those three goals. And that just gives you an idea of the corner we have backed ourselves into economically. And that's why now is a great time to take more control over your finances with our friends over at Birched Gold. Concerned Americans are diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of the Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, just call uh, Birch Gold. Uh, but learn for yourself by texting Steve to 989-898 for the free info kit on gold. Text Steve to 989-898 for the free info kit on gold. That's the easiest way to become a Birch Gold member. If you've got an IRA, a 401k from a previous employer that's just, that's just gathering dust, whatever your situation is, Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold and you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text Steve to 989-898. Claim your free info kit on gold by texting Steve to 989-898. And with that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. You buy the speaker fight. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan is running for Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. He went on Fox News this morning and was pressed about whether he'd pass bills giving funding to Ukraine. I've been clear all along. Why should we be sending American tax dollars to Ukraine when we don't even know what the goal is? No one can tell me what the objective is. Is it, is it some kind of negotiated peace? Is it driving them out of the eastern Ukraine? Is it driving them out of Crimea, which they've had for 10 years now, or they took during the Obama administration? What is the objective? And so until you can tell me the goal, 
I don't think we should continue to send money there. You're sending money there to protect Ukraine's border when we got the situation we have on our border. So those are the fundamental questions that we should get answered before we even think about sending more money. South Carolina Congresswoman Nancy Mace went on CNN to discuss why she voted with Florida Congressman Matt Gates to vacate the speaker's chair. The establishment is coming after me. I've had a lot of threats about my fundraising. I'm asking people to go to my website at nancymace.org to help me uh, to, to show their support because there, there are yeah. folks that are coming after me tonight. I'm glad you brought that up because back in January when there were the marathon votes for Kevin McCarthy to get this job, he was fighting to take the gavel. This is something that you said. Mm-hmm. Matt Gates is a fraud. Every time he voted against Kevin McCarthy last week, he sent out a fundraising email. Uh, what you saw last week was a constitutional process diminished by those kinds of political actions. Uh, of course, now here we are in October. You and Congressman Gates are, are in agreement on at least ousting McCarthy. You were on a podcast together today. You yourself the have irony, been fundraising off that. <laughs> <laughs> Back on Fox News, RNC Chairwoman Rona Romney is here to lecture us about how to win elections. We can't do this right. next year. We cannot do this and win. If this happens again, we are jeopardizing a very small House majority. When we're not talking about Biden, we are not winning. And we need to be talking about the failure of the Biden administration every single day and what we're going to do to make the lives we of the American you. people better. Ron DeSantis was on the campaign trail in South Carolina yesterday, and he fielded a question at a town hall about illegal immigration. And I'm even going to follow through on other people's promises. So I don't know if you saw on Sunday, Donald Trump was given a speech in Iowa and he said he started talking about his promise in 2016. And and we all remember it. I loved it. He was going to build the wall and have Mexico pay for the wall. Probably the most famous political promise in modern history, certainly one of the top promises. And he would get lampooned by the media at the time, like, oh, you don't really mean it. He'd go out and say, say, no, I mean it, all this stuff, and you have all the clips and everything. Uh, And and obviously that didn't happen. We we know that didn't happen. Uh, But he was there and he said, look, he's like, these people are are, are getting on me about that. Uh, But there was was never any legal mechanism where I could make Mexico pay for the wall. It wasn't possible to make Mexico pay for the wall. And he starts saying all this. I'm like, wait a minute. You said that for years and now you're saying that, that you never intended to do it, that it was there. But here's the even worse part. If you know how to use power and you know how to lead, you actually can get Mexico to pay for the wall. No, they're not just going to give you money if you put out your hand. Uh, And so I will make Mexico pay for the wall by doing this. We are going to charge a fee on all remittances that are sent from the United States to Mexico or any of these other countries. It'll be billions of dollars, and we will use it to build the wall. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is reportedly waiving a couple dozen federal laws in order to build a border wall in Stour County, Texas. The agency posted an announcement on the U.S. Federal Register that outlines construction in Stour County in the Rio Grande Valley sector, where the administration says there's high illegal entry. The agency says there have been over 245,000 illegal alien encounters in the sector this fiscal year. Across the pond, UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is out there saying true things. And it also shouldn't be controversial for parents to know what their children are being taught in school about relationships. Patience 
should know when hospitals are talking about men or women. And we shouldn't get bullied. And we shouldn't get bullied into believing that people can be any sex they want to be. They can't. A man is a man and a woman is a woman. That's just common sense. And finally, a blast from the BLM past. Here's an oldie but a goodie during a Black Lives Matter riot in 2020. What happened while we were away. You know, everybody deals with pain from time to time, especially of the chronic variety as we get older. That's why the product you're looking for is Relief Factor. Uh, and if you're one of those who experienced this, then the good news for you is Relief Factor is a great way to reduce your chronic pain, which is mostly caused by too much inflammation in your joints. And when taken as directed, it can absolutely change your life. Now, it's not a drug, but it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. And if there is a natural or drug-free way to treat any of our ailments, we should always take advantage of that. Now, there isn't, unfortunately. And so when there's not, get some good drugs. But when there is... Make sure you take advantage of that as well, because those drugs can also tax other organs and systems in your body over time, but not with Relief Factor. And there's 70% chances, we think, that you'll be satisfied with the results, because that's the percentage of people who tried the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks and end up sticking around long-term because of the results they see in three weeks or less. If you want to put them to the test, what do you got to lose for just 20 bucks? ReliefFactor.com is where you can go. ReliefFactor.com or call them at 800-the-number-four-relief, 800-the-number-four-relief. All right, in today's overtime was the greatest moment that has aired on Fox News since it stupidly got rid of Tucker Carlson. Was, was, was this what just happened apparently yesterday on the channel? Did you guys see this clip? Yes. Okay. We will discuss. Is this the greatest thing that's happened on Fox News since it got rid of Tucker Carlson? That's coming up in the overtime later today for Blaze TV subscribers. That's blazetv.com slash dace, blazetv.com slash D-E-A-C-E. That's where you can go if you want to watch it later today after we record it following the show. And that's also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber for just 10 bucks a month, blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let's get to a few things here uh, in Aaron's montage. We'll take it from the top. I said yesterday I thought that Jim Jordan would be, if he's the next choice for speaker, would ideologically be, you know, a pole vault, uh, you know, superior to Kevin McCarthy. But I also said, you know, you have to be able to do the job as speaker. Right. It, there's, and I've, I've said this about president. I've said this about governor. There's a vocational part of these jobs. Can you lead? Um, can you organize a caucus? Can you manage people? Those are all things that go into the job. Now, I, I'm not here to I'm not I'm not here to say those things matter in place of ideology. Like if we want a person who's a great manager but has no soul. Is that what we're looking for? No. No, that's called a technocrat, and you, like, never want to hire those people to run anything, okay? Um, Mitch McConnell. Exactly. If you can find someone that has a soul, 
and is a good manager. Now, I don't know how many of those kinds of people that uh, our civilization is in any condition to be producing these days, but that's the ideal. Okay, <laughs> That's what we're aiming for here. Um, and, and part of that also managerially, when you have a position as prominent as Speaker of the House, I mean, if whoever ascends to this spot, this is going to be the most prominent elected official in the Republican Party in the United States of America. So pending the result of this presidential primary, and at least until the Republicans have a, officially have a presidential nominee, you are the face of the Republican Party in the United States. And then if that person doesn't win the next election and you're still speaker, you remain the face of the Republican Party in the United States. It's a very prominent position. And so part of that position is the crafting of a narrative. Because a lot of, a lot of what we are governed by today are narratives. And, and if you can't craft a narrative, you can't govern. Because it is the fear of the narrative and the platforms that carry your narrative that will often keep people in line who may not even agree with your agenda, but they are afraid to defy it. For example, if you're Ron DeSantis or one of his supporters, you may have noticed a group of people in my industry who were very favorable to you until you declared your candidacy for president. And now your name is mud. Why? They are afraid of going against the narrative. That it would cost them clicks, it would cost them access to Trump, it would cost them money, it would cost them ambition to go against Trump by, be, forget being favorable to you, by even acknowledging you, by even covering you, or by even being objective about you. That's what I mean, just as a recent example. What, what, what you see Jim Jordan do in that clip right there with Ukraine is a very effective crafting of a narrative especially doing it on Fox. I mean, with Tucker gone, can you host a show on Fox at this point if you're not willing to wear a Ukraine flag pin? I'm asking. It's hard. You, it, it's, hard to get, it's hard to get a job on Fox right now if you're not willing to wear a Ukraine flag pin on your lapel, okay? And he doesn't even give the same network. By the way, that's the same show. because That's Brian Kilmeade, the morning show, right? That's the same show that went after Congressman Tim Burchett yesterday for saying that, you know, when they asked him, well, what made you vote against Kevin McCarthy? He said it was a very tough call. You know, I spent a lot of prayer about it. And Brian Kilmeade's reaction was, so you went and prayed and thought God told you to start, be a part of an insurgency? (laughs) Fox News, ladies and gentlemen. So before they could get their Fox on, which you see Jordan do there, is have zero Fox given. Hat tip to the woman who I saw the other day has a Twitter account. She follows me on Twitter. Her Twitter account name is zero Fox given. That's deep. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That is a great poll. Okay. Not, not as good as Bruce Jenner's uterus. That's still the greatest name in the history of Twitter, I believe. <laughs> but, but zero Fox. <laughs> Bruce Jenner's I don't know the mind that decided to name their account that, whether to give that person a restraining order or hire them, honestly, and maybe both. We want to hire you. We just want you to work very far away from us, all right? You're going to work remotely, okay? Uh, But no, Bruce Jenner's uterus is the greatest Twitter account name of all time. But Zero Fox given is, yeah, it's in consideration. And so he he gives them Zero Fox given before they can even get to their narrative 
Why do you want Putin to win? Why do you want to see the Soviet Union come back? Why won't you for why won't you foreign policy like it's 1988? Before they even have a chance to do that, what does Jordan do there? He crushes them with the counter narrative. And I loved the asking of questions there. What, what are we doing? You tell me. So we're, we're trying to kick the Russians out of Crimea, which they've already had for 10 years. Is it we're trying to stop? We're trying to stop them from gathering uh, uh, any more of Ukraine altogether. What is the mission objective? Tell me what it is. Define that for me. Reporters love it when you do that to them, which is why you should do it to them all the time. Yes, yes, yes. What's the Oron McIntyre line? You think you hate the yeah. media, but you don't hate them enough. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just really effective. That's that's very effectively done. And that if that is. And, and that's taking your ideology now and making it vocational, meaning it's a skill. Like I can I can study why I think a circuit board is a unique is a unique platform of technology. I can be I can marvel at the circuit board. I can think that this is trans, I can think the circuit board is transformational for the human experience, but I cannot be an engineer or an electrician if I cannot actually run, fix, work, manipulate the circuit board itself, if I don't have the skills, if my hands don't take my ideology and, and project that and manifest that as a skill set. You see what I'm trying to yes. say? That's part of the job. It's a major part of the job. And it's not enough to say, what are, this is a, this, I'm voting against it. Okay. You're going to have to be the face of a party here, pal. Any of you are. So can you craft a narrative? Because that's going to go a long way. Most of your caucus are squishes. And you don't have a large majority, so you can't lose a lot of people. You're going you're gonna to keep them in line most of the time because you can craft a more powerful narrative than, than what is pulling them against you. So they feel more vulnerable opposing you, even if it's not true. Like, I've hardly been a Trump slurper my entire career. It has, it, I'm, I, I would, I'd be more successful, I guess, probably, if I had become one. But, I mean, our show's grown by like 400%, right, the last few years. It, it, it's not, like we just got a contract extension. I've had two best-selling books. I produced a movie. So I guess you could argue that maybe I'd be even more successful if I'd gotten on the bandwagon. But it really, truly hasn't gotten in the way of us feeding our families or doing what we want to do on any level, has it? No, you know why? Because I'm good at crafting a narrative. And even if there are people that I'm not good at a lot of things, but that's one of them. Like you probably want to run against me. You, you know, I can't change my own oil. But I can craft a narrative and I'm good at it. And so even if I'm wrong, if you're going to come at me, to expose that, it's not, it's not going to be enough to expose that I'm wrong. You have to craft a better narrative for why I'm wrong than I will why I am right. And that's not easy to do. And what Jordan did there was masterful. And it's, it's devastating Socratic method because there are no answers to those questions. You know why we don't know the answers to those questions almost two years into this? Because there aren't any answers to those questions. I will say I have more confidence in Jim Jordan as speaker now than I did 24 hours ago. Thoughts on that? Um, well, 
I'm at a okay. The bar, yeah. The, sure. The bar is so low. And when I say confidence, Aaron, you just define yes. it. Okay, all right, all right. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. The, the bar okay. is so low. And what's going on here? You know, this is something that's never happened before. We can discuss why or what that even means. But listen, this is when you're when you're starving out in the desert. You know, you'll you'll prepare to look at uh, a meal that you never would have even uh, considered before. And heck, quite frankly, wasn't that Trump in many ways in redefining? Uh, the opportunities it had once he became uh, uh, the president. You said, you got to make this work somehow. So yeah, show me what you got. I mean, I, I like what you said with the questioning. It's a start. It's something. Because here's the thing, Aaron. He is ideologically the most conservative speaker we're probably, we've probably had, or at least since Newt was in his heyday before you were born, or right around the time you were born. Who? Jordan? Jordan or, is. Yeah. Jordan is. If we're going to hand him the speaker's gavel, and he's known as this movement conservative, and he can't do the job, it's, you, know, you know what they're going to say. You guys can't rule. You guys can't govern. That's mm-hmm. what they're going to say. Okay? Yep. yep. So better wield the power when you have it. I am coming down on this, and I know we'll talk about this tomorrow on the day script a little bit more, and I'll expand a little bit more there, um, I suppose. But I'm just fine with letting this thing bleed out. I'm just fine with just letting this thing burn. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I think Talk in, to me. in some ways, the slim majority, and I think we talked about this at the time, the slim majority that Republicans got in the 2022 midterms, that was really a blessing in disguise because now power is diluted, uh, not diluted, but it's concentrated down to what, eight people, really? Yeah. Or even more, than, or even fewer than that, really, because yeah, they only needed five. Yeah. So, you know what? If some pain and some... Um, uh, grinding of the gears is what it takes to actually get something done that doesn't involve just endless funding for Ukraine. I'm fine with it. We'll just see how resolute some of these people like Jim Jordan and Matt Gates really are. That's what we're going to find out as well. Yeah. But your, your, your takeaway there at the end is like, well, we try, we, you can see it coming. You can see the Rona Romney McDaniels yep. coming out saying, hey, guys, we tried to give it in the movements, movement yep. conservatives. Yep. You get one chance. We get 40 years yeah. of chances. You, you get one, one chance. chance and, yeah. and if the guy ain't Babe Ruth, then this, we clearly can't let you this, guys run anything. This is yeah. why we need well, Eric Cantor back in yes. the speakership. Yes, that's, Honestly, the ga- that's the game. But yeah. that's a test, too. That's my po- Like, if, if you're going to let that gal play you like that, this yeah. thing was doomed. I mean, th- that no. was one of the things I wanted. She's up there lecturing Nuke about her. winning elections. She's <laughs> 0 for 3. Yeah. She she thought it was a good idea to let a, a Univision intern no one could understand infest the last debate. I mean, she's a freaking joke and ought to be so ashamed of herself that, that she won't even show her face in public, which brings me to Nancy Mace. See what you did there. Nancy Mace has a real chance, maybe the best chance, to be the first female president of the United States. Yep. This woman has no shame. None. You watch that clip, she doesn't even blink. She is a real reflection of this culture. I show up at the prayer event in a fake red state at a gay-affirming church, and I know, first thing I notice, sorry I'm late. 
my live it my, my shack up was, was trying to fornicate with me one more time before I came in this morning. She's basically doing to the entire GOP what that chick did to Trevor Bauer. In a way. Yeah. Um no soul. She stands up there and talks about how I'm vaccine injured and then like has no follow up on it at all. Like none. Just doesn't doesn't even bring it up ever again, doesn't even talk about it ever again. I mean, this woman has has posted uh, and supported Pride Month as a member of Congress in South Carolina. She's pro-choice, which means I'm pro-killing. Nancy Mace, mark it down. Today's what, October 5th? We'll be yes. doing our year-end day group here in about two and a half months. She is the leader in the freaking clubhouse with a Scotty Scheffler, Tiger Woods-like lead heading into Sunday at Augusta for my politician of the year. She is a perfect reflection of the modern American right and what's actually left of much of America. She keeps, her, she keeps playing her cards right, which means to have no soul and to be beyond shameless but look halfway decent doing it. She can do what Hillary and Elizabeth Warren and Kamala and Carly Fiorina could not pull off. And in an era where we are being demonically trolled, right? The first gay presidential candidate, his last name is but a jitch. For reals. I mean, what? I, that, I, I, don't the first by senator who's yeah, actually oh yeah, better than Sin a lot of, yeah sin ama who's actually better than a lot of republicans the, the first bisexual senator is sin ama the first gay presidential candidate is Buttigieg, and he actually spells it b-u-t-t are you kidding me this they're they're not even trying in hell guys the interns are just they just they just say listen america's so far gone all right just you know the interns can just finish it off what's left. It is only fitting that the first female presidential nominee's last name is Mace. And that'll preach. That's more, that is more Bible than you'll get in most sermons in America's churches today. Yeah, which easy. is why it's going to happen. Which brings me to the UK. By the way, over under, Joe Biden ends up building more of the border wall which is 50 miles than Trump built now over under 50 miles Biden it an over or an under. I don't want to answer that question. I don't either. Cause it'll make me just literally start self harming here on the air. I, I just, I will just, I will self harm. All right. I'm, I will self harm. Okay. You know why? I have not worn this red shirt since election night. Yeah. Why did you wear that today? I read the story that they're going to, that the Biden administration's building uh, the border wall. I just said, I screwed up. I'm bringing this back out. I'm wearing it again. Wearing it tonight. Wearing it now. That's that's exactly why. That is why. I'm ashamed. That's the first thing I thought when you walked in. Like, why is he wearing that shirt? That's why. Only I, bad the things Biden administration is going to build a border wall now. And so I just said, you know what? I'm out. I'm just. Let's bring it back. All right. Of all the countries in the UK, Scotland has the highest rate of monthly church attendance, which is less than 9%. Not bad. Most of the rest of the UK's na- as a, a, a countries in the UK are at 5% of monthly church attendance or lower. 
To put that in perspective, we are bemoaning basically the end of living in a post-Christian America. Still over one-third of Americans go to church once a month. So, I mean, I mean, (laughs) we're the Puritans. All right, compared to <laughs> compared to England, where the the Archbishop of Canterbury, by the way, is is calling the Prime Minister of the UK a bigot for what he said in that clip. I don't know if you guys saw that yesterday. So this is going well. Tell me what you think it means quickly that in a in a country as unchurched as the UK, that the Tories have basically used tranny madness as the core issue to hold on to power to defeat Labour. They think that is the issue that will turn the public back into their favor because their polling numbers are way in the dirt. So what do you think it means that the Tories believe, even in a church, a country as unchurched as the UK, that this is the issue that will win them back to power? I think it means that they look at the United States and like, oh, that'd be be crazy over there. Uh, We're not we're not them. I think that's what's what's happening. We're smarter pagans here. Yes, I think it likely only means that it's the issue right now that will keep them power and i don't think they've thought what that means beyond that once they have the power i mean mean, it's not a i don't think it's a moral or ethical play but it's largely the the uk has taken action though that Mm -hmm. huge gender clinic in the uk i can't remember the name of it i mean that's shut down now as as far as i know so uh, because here's what i think it means i think it means we have we were wondering what would it take Will we just go all the way to the mob outside Watts house or would there be somebody be like, I think all you religious folks are nuts, but you ain't half as crazy as this bleep. All right. Have we is, is have we is the training madness that line? No, well, it should be. We're even in the UK. We're like, no one goes to church to like, what the bleep is this? We're not doing this. I just think it's the most obvious one for them. I mean, they've given up everything else. Okay. See, I tried to have some hope gonna do it you can you're a good catholic thank you (laughs) well yes fall has returned in all of its glory that means great snuggling weather but if you've got Miracle-Made shirt, shir- or sheets, easy for me to say. If you've got Miracle-Made sheets, you don't really care what the weather is outside because they're absolutely outstanding. Um, self-cooling properties that lead to a better quality of sleep with silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA. So thermoregulating uh, is made easier. And it's designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. And those exact same self-cooling properties are also good for self-cleaning. In fact, that same silver helps to prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growths uh, that can accumulate on your sheets. That leaves them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer and no odors at the same time. But Steve, I could do that and sleep in an aluminum foil. That doesn't mean that they're comfortable. Oh, these are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer than some of the bed sheets that you'll stay in at some five-star hotel. So go to trymiracle.com slash dace. I love these sheets. Been sleeping on them every night I've been home. 
since we were first uh, invited to try this product. They're outstanding. TryMiracle.com slash Dace. If you do, uh, you'll save over 40%. And if you use the promo code Dace at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20% as well. TryMiracle.com slash Dace, backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. TryMiracle.com slash Dace, promo code Dace for extra big savings. We just lost our guest. I'm working on getting him back real quick. Okay. Um, I want to ask Dr. McCullough. We have him back? All right. Let's welcome in good friend of the show, an absolute American hero, Dr. Peter McCullough. It's good to see you again, brother. How are you? Great to see you. Can I ask you a personal question with me as your patient for a second, if you don't mind? Okay. So I was in uh, L.A., at the end of July, I was getting ready to go do a presentation for Nefarious at Pastor Jack Hibbs Church. And as I'm getting dressed to go, I lose, I suddenly lose hearing in my right ear. And I'm only hearing like buzzing and it, it sounds like there's fireflies going on at night constantly. As soon as I get home, I go right to the uh, ENT and the specialist. They, they tell me that there has been a rash of these over the last couple of years. And that they think it is some kind of a viral infection. Um, my eardrum is working, functioning. Everything is totally intact. Uh, there is some kind of a viral infection that has caused the uh, the nerves in my ear to not, uh, you know, get the exact sound that they're supposed to get. They give me weeks of inj- of steroids and steroid injections. I get steroid injections directly into my ear, in fact, to try to resurrect uh, these nerves. And they told me there's about 70% odds that over time they can get me back to a, a level that I can use a hearing aid. And I would say my hearing's improved maybe 40 or 50% since July. Um, but I, there's, there's a woman in my small group we're very close with. She had this happen to her after she took the jab. I am wondering, I never took the jab, so I'm wondering if the strange viral infection and rash of these over the last couple of years could be a long form of, of, of COVID infection. And and if this is further proof that basically the last few years, Peter, everybody was a lab rat, whether you took the vaccine or not, since it all came from the same research, we were all essentially long term going to be lab rats and figure out whether we were infected or injected what the long term ramifications of that research were. It's true. Uh, Nearly all of us have been exposed to the Wuhan spike protein. Now, a paper by Claussen and colleagues from Harvard showed that. Uh, so, you know, when I see patients in the office, we check antibodies against the spike protein. Invariably, they're elevated. Rarely, I'll find somebody who hasn't been exposed. What you're describing is an auditory loss, uh, what's affected the auditory nerve. We know that COVID infection uh, affects the, the uh, uh, you know, the various forms of um, the nerves for taste and smell. Uh, it can affect facial nerves, cause Bell's palsy. And we know with the COVID vaccines, there's clear-cut papers showing hearing loss after the COVID-19 vaccines. It's all related to the spike protein. So I would say, yes, in the absence of another explanation, I think you either had another re-exposure of SARS-CoV-2, and you may have had it, or been exposed through a, a, a mechanism called shedding. So define shedding, because if you aren't part of the quote-unquote anti-vax community, like my assistant Todd is, this is a familiar phrase to them. For those of us that are just getting new to all these kinds of things here in the COVID era, what does that mean? What is shedding? What is it? 
Shedding means that one has been exposed to the spike protein or to the messenger RNA from close contact with another individual. We know both of them can travel via exosomes, which are small phospholipid packets that can be an exhaled breath through sweat, uh, various forms of body fluid, typically, you know, very close contact. Uh, in studies, there was a big project, for instance, called the EVA project in the UK, showing 78% of women who take a vaccine, they actually have menstrual abnormalities. And those who even didn't take a vaccine, uh, they end up having menstrual abnormalities. There's been plenty of these reports that have occurred. Uh, I have interviewed on my show, Steve, uh, expert former inserm scientist Helene Benoon, and uh, she's the world's expert on shedding. She believes it, it clearly happens for sure in people who've taken the vaccine within 30 days close contact, uh, and then now two studies, one in the United States, one in Japan, showing the messenger RNA comes through breast milk. The spike protein may be shedded potentially for a much longer duration of time. It's been shown in the human body now for months, maybe even years afterwards. And that's the rationale for what our recent proposal uh, to actually undergo spike protein detoxification. How worried are you? Every signal we see, cardiovascular disease, neurologic, blood clots, immune disease, and now cancer, Steve, every single indicator is up. Now, th there can be debates on why all these chronic diseases are up, all-cause mortality up in every single area of the world. Uh, you know, th the two big exposures we've had are COVID-19 infection and now COVID-19 vaccines. And I think both mechanisms have led to this wave of disease. Uh, I think more powerfully with the vaccines, since the vaccines are largely genetic, they're given every six months, and they install the genetic code for the disease-promoting and lethal Wuhan spike protein. So, you know, eventually, as you, as you know this better than I do, uh, viruses eventually become endemic. Uh, they mutate. They become less severe um, over time. But with these mRNA injections, they're rolling out new lines of these constantly. Um, they're rolling out uh, not just even, you know, new for new variants, but in, in whole new ones, like for RSV and other maladies at the exact same time. How much of this do you think is that this this version of this technology was rushed, given the urgency of the moment? and the incentives of, of Operation Warp Speed to rush it, as opposed to is the technology itself fallible, fundamentally fallible? For example, Elon Musk has been very vocal looking at the data for COVID vaccination and how terrible that data is. But he is adamant that he thinks, as a guy that's made $30 billion on the cutting edge of science, he thinks mRNA technology actually has a bright future um, outside of what we've seen with its debut with COVID vaccination. What's your view as a clinician? Let's take messenger RNA, Steve. In a paper by Lalani and colleagues from British Medical Journal, uh, messenger RNA has been in development since 1985. Tens of billions of U.S. government dollars poured into it. No technology that our government has invested more in. Mm -hmm. In in 2012, DARPA, the research unit of the military, on its website, still on its website today, announced the ADEPT P3 program, said it would end pandemics in 60 days using messenger RNA technology. Uh, paper by Lee and colleagues, over 9,000 patents on messenger RNA. And all the patent assignees, Steve, 
are big entities. At the top is Sanofi, then CureVac, uh, BioNTech, Moderna, and the U.S. government. No single person invented messenger RNA. Someone who comes up in 2021 and said, oh, you know, I invented it. it. That's impossible. This has been going on for decades. Now the Nobel Prize is awarded to Carrico and Weissman. Carrico's got 14 patents. Weissman's got uh, 150 or so patents. Uh, and and their, their, their Nobel Prize is how they made messenger RNA long-lasting in the human body. I mean, it has been tested in multiple applications, Steve. It's a bust. It's an absolute bust. It was just the worst idea ever to install the genetic code for a lethal protein without being able to shut it off. It wasn't the fact that it was rushed. It's just ill-conceived from the very beginning. So I want to make sure the layman out there like me, Dr. McCullough, understand what you just said, which is just because the public became mindful of this in the, the in the spring of 2020 and then the, with, with the launch, the advent of, of Operation Warp Speed and then in January of 21 with the rollout of these of these injections, th that just because the public became mindful, this research had been going back decades. They, they've been trying to master this for decades and it was a colossal failure. For example, Moderna was 0 for 8 in bringing products to market prior to Operation Warp Speed. So that that body of evidence says to you as a guy who has started research journals and then has to take that research as a clinician and put it into practice for patients. So you've been on both ends of this, right? You've been on the research the theoretical end and then you've been on the applicable end. That body of evidence tells you this just isn't going to work. It's true. We can't force the human body to accept foreign genetic code and produce a foreign protein. Now, messenger RNA that's fully humanized that's producing a missing protein like insulin and type 1 diabetes or alpha-galactosidase and fabrase. That's a different story. But messenger RNA for vaccines is a completely failed concept. It's a dangerous concept. And, uh, you know, the U.S. government wasn't honest. They should have been honest. Uh, Trump should have come out and said, listen, it's on, the, it's on our website. Our military has been working on this since 2012 because it's on the website. It's called the ADEPT P3 program. You know, anybody who does a few clicks would have seen that, that the U.S. military is working on messenger RNA to end pandemics in 60 days. That's in 2012. You know, the implications of that are, um, I don't know what the technical term is for not good, but not, yeah. the, the implications <laughs> of what you just said are, well, not good, Peter. Well, it's, it's simply not being honest. If if uh, if it would have been presented to us differently from the day one and said, listen, uh-oh, we've got a problem. The U.S. and Chinese have had a collaboration for years trying to make a biological threat, a, a an infectious and lethal coronavirus, and now it's gotten out of the lab. And now, the good news is we've been working on solutions, monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. We're going to try to help people through this U.S.-Chinese disaster, if people would have been honest about it. But what we've learned through the House Select Committee, Steve, is amazing. Fauci, Collins, a whole cadre of scientists, they collaborated to conceal this global security threat. They actually intentionally lied to the world and said the, the virus came out of nature. They knew it came out of the Wuhan lab. The research by Ralph Barrick and Dr. Shengling Li was published uh, in 2015, 2016, Nature Communications, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. They said they created SARS-CoV-2. They called it the Wuhan Institute of Virology 1 virus. That was the prototype SARS-CoV-2. Mm -hmm. So that's in 2015. Instead of bringing Ralph Barrick out 
Dr. Barrick, how do we get ourselves out of this disaster? You, you, you masterminded this, uh, this virus funded by the U.S. The U.S. wanted to do this, but instead it's just been a house of cards. It's been one lie after another. I've got only 90 seconds, but if you could, if you could enact three things right now, given everything you've just told us and everything else you know that we didn't have time to get access to, what would those three things be? I say, number one, I've called in the U.S. Senate, now the European Parliament, pull all COVID-19 vaccines off the market before anyone else is harmed. Number two, U.S., EU, and all westernized nations pull out of the WHO. They're not trustable. And number three, I'm following the World Council for Health. I am recommending a halt on all childhood vaccines, the entire vaccine schedule, until this is clarified, since messenger RNA is now on the schedule without any concerns uh, for safety by the ACIP panel. Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, the wellness company, TWC.health. You want to check them out. TWC.health. They just came on board with us here at The Blaze, too, by the way. TWC.health. It's always good to see you, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you. Aaron, I, I want to take that interview and put it on Twitter. Okay. Uh, and I want, I want people to, to be told that that might have set an all-time record for truth bombs dropped in about a 15-minute interview. Okay. Okay. You guys' thoughts on what you just heard there from Dr. Peter McCullough? Well, no, the the rapidity which which he gave you those three. Again, this he's not just spitballing here. This is a man who's got in the weeds on this. Has been assaulted more than any other in terms of trying to. He was take, the most decorated yes, cardiologist yes. in American history prior to COVID. prior to COVID. Everybody, listen, everybody knows that he knows where the bodies are buried, folks. Right now, what he's telling you is, is trust no one. He just said in those three, in the health community, trust almost no one because they've been experimenting you as human that's far longer than COVID. Yeah, and that's quite the statement at the end, calling for a halt of all childhood uh, vaccines because of the proliferation of, of mRNA into, uh, into the schedule. It's an extreme statement until you realize, what did you repost uh, not that long ago? Something in the uh, high dozens of vaccines that you're told to give your baby, mm -hmm. your children. Yeah. After they're born, when you guys had a handful, that that, that, that if you are if you are 35 and yeah. older, you have received fewer vaccines than a newborn yeah. than an infant child in America has received in this in this era. Yeah, that blew my mind, and it should blow everybody's mind. But it's the it's the veneer of the expert. If you have a white coat on, it's granted unto you righteousness and power, and just so many people. Check out this. This has illuminated my thinking as much as anything in the past few years. So many people just check out of their responsibility to make their own decisions, to inform themselves about their. And this is what you end up with. You were made to be ruled. Yeah. Yep. There's a reason why our creator who loves us more than anything else in this in the cosmos does. Anyone else does died for us, made us throughout his holy writ refers to us as sheep more often than not and they are literally the dumbest mammal in the phylum the most gullible mammal in the phylum is the sheep the most gullible one and all are like sheep and easily led astray yeah just to reiterate if you are 35 if you're older than 35 
then in your lifetime, you've received fewer vaccines than we give to toddlers or, or children by the time they reach toddler level this day and age, according to the vaccine schedule. Correct. That, that is mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing. More in a moment. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing the show, Steve, at SteveDace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me, at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And don't forget, if you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you so very much. Leave us a five-star review if you appreciate us. And thank you to all of you that have done that for us already. And as well, uh, make sure to hit subscribe or in the case of iTunes, follow so that you can be assured every time we do a new episode, it shows up there automatically in your feed. Uh, this part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Jace Medical. And it seems like a good time to talk about them after the interview we just did with Dr. Peter McCullough. Oh, howdy. I mean, make sure you have your situation on lockdown actually let's not use that word make sure you're handling your business okay <laughs> all right um you know we we had jace come on board last year with the jace case because they they saw what happened to things like hydroxy and ivermectin and and how they were just suddenly smeared and bastardized despite the fact they had saved millions of lives across the globe for decades between the two and so they wanted to make sure that maybe the next time we had a so-called emergency, the next round of venerable medications like your doxycyclines or your amoxicillins would not be among the suddenly verboten list. Well, now they want to make sure your existing medications don't end up there either. So get a 12-month backup supply of your existing meds for everything from heart health to blood pressure to diabetes, cholesterol, etc., uh, even mental health. You can do that right now at jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, for jacemedical.com to make sure you've got that peace of mind. Enter the code DACE at checkout, and you'll get a discount on your order. That's promo code DACE at jacemedical.com, J as in jump at this now, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com, promo code DACE. Coming up at the bottom of the hour. My oldest daughter will be here for three non-political questions, but we are closing out a series here on Theology Thursday, and we have been studying Kingdom Politics, Returning God to Government by Dr. Tony Evans. And before we get to his conclusion, let's discuss our thoughts on this study overall and what this book had to offer all of all, or overall, because we're now getting into you know, and have written a few books myself. A lot of times your conclusion is your, your practicum. Here's how we're going to practically apply some of the things we just talked about. Right. And there's a reason why a lot of churches don't do application. Understand I'm not talking about the woke, soft, woke, heretical ones. Like I'm not, I mean, dust have left sandals a long time ago. I'm not talking about those places. I'm talking about the kinds of churches that I would actually recommend you attend. Even those churches do can can go pretty uh, uh, pretty flaccid 
when we get to application. Because as offensive as it is to say everyone's a sinner, it's even more offensive to say you are. (laughs) So a lot of times the scriptures or a biblical worldview will be kind of presented in this amorphous or theoretical um, you know, dialogue. I'll give you an example. I was, I was listening to a, a speaker once. He gave a phenomenal message, and, and, he, and he finished his message, and I've talked about this on our show in the past. Uh, he finished his message with the tale of Telemachus. And if you don't remember, Telemachus was the, uh, the, the, the monk who was on a, uh, a mission to Rome, and while he was there, he decided to stop off at this massive building called the Colosseum to see what all of the commotion was about. And it was the gladiator games. And so he comes in there and the, it, every seat is full and he is appalled at the man's inhumanity that he is witnessing. I mean, dismemberment, just absolute savagery out there on the field of the Colosseum. And... And, is, and he's just so overwhelmed by the depravity that he's witnessing that he begins to scream out in Latin, in the name of Christ, forbear or stop. And nobody's paying attention to him. Eventually he goes down onto the field during intermission, basically. And he looks up at the stands and starts screaming out in the name of Christ, forbear. And people see this little monk. They think this is like the intermission entertainment, basically. And, and they start giggling. They start laughing. They think it's a joke. Then when he continues on, though, more vehemently, they realize, no, this guy is serious. In the name of Christ, stop. Eventually, one of the gladiators runs his sword through him and kills him right there on the grounds. And it was the crowd gasped. The, the, the community of Rome was so appalled at the murder of this monk that that was the last day the gladiator games ever took place in Rome. Never happened again. And so I'm, I'm listening to the speaker and you would think after he gives this incredible tale and testimony of, of standing in the gap for what you believe in, regardless of the cost, you would think he would then turn and, and say to the audience, and this may be what we have, the cost that we have to pay, right? No, no. The talk just ended there. And then this kind of went on and finalized, you know, Sunday's arrangements and uh, you guys have a good week. We'll see you next week. That happens a lot today. When we get into the practical. Oh, so wait a minute. I got to do something. Oh, wait, this is what you want me to do. See, that's the practicum. Application is the thing in which you'll catch the conscience of the of the king. Okay, that is the that is where things get divisive real fast when it comes time to apply what we all claim to believe in. So I would imagine when we get to that part of this conclusion, which is really what the conclusion is, there will be some disagreement maybe here. So before we do that, I want to make sure we honor the conversation that this book inspired overall for what the last three months on the show. So overall thoughts and was this a worthwhile exercise for both the audience and the show? So overall, there were a lot of valuable conversations that I think we had over the past, what, it's been three, four months now, regarding this book. I think Dr. Evans deduces, and much like a doctor, 
um, diagnoses what a lot of the key ills are when it comes to the church's relationship with politics. Mm -hmm. I think there were, was a lot of really good conversations, a lot of things that just uh, a lot of conversations that just aren't had in the run of the mill church. And again, we're not talking about the ones that are just so far gone and, and woke. And I'll just leave it there so we can talk about the, the final chapter a little bit later. Okay. He, this book basically reminded me of the conversation that I've had with multiple attorneys over the years and how they were educated and watch other young attorneys get educated now. Law school, investment of three years of time, lots of money. Three years, though. That's six semesters. Do you ask them, did you ever take a course that dissects the Constitution? And every time the answer is no. Mm -hmm. You just case law here, mm -hmm. uh, distributed throughout the whole thing, but you never talk about the thing that is supposed to be the backbone of the thing. That's what chapter after chapter after chapter, in some ways, Dr. Evans is saying that about the, the church writ large at least uh, and, and churches have multiple ministries multiple duties but writ large he has to write books like this and say things like this because the, we the main thing quite often isn't the main thing is that an accident is that sloth is that cowardice is that malevolence nefariousness we can discuss that, but I, I think it's simply undeniable that that's, you know, guys like, guys like Tony Evans, as passionate as he is for the Lord, in a strong Christian country, don't have to write this book. Hmm. Yeah. That last point you just made there. I mean, all of us would probably think of 40 years ago or so as like the salad days compared to where America is today, sure. right? But understand that a generation ago, Francis Schaeffer was out there saying a lot of the same exact things that we're saying right now. I mean, he was a very prolific author, speaker, um, one of the first apologist to to really go into like the the early era of the Betamax home video market and you can watch some of his videos some of those videos are up I think on Amazon Prime to this day the Christian manifesto your god is too small um and I I find it interesting that we were talking after Christmas break last year about how while we were gone, Amy and I had sat down one afternoon and watched like two hours on YouTube of Christmas commercials from the seventies, mm. eighties and nineties mm -hmm. and how it's just an entirely different country compared to where we are now. But it was to that era that Francis Schaefer was, was warning and writing that stuff to. It was to that era that the original religious right was formed to push back, right? You've got, 
you know, Protestants like D. James Kennedy and, Doc, and, and Jerry Falwell Sr., aligning with Catholics like Paul Weyrick, the founder of the Heritage Foundation, to create the original religious right. And it was to push back on this era that when we watched their, the, the way they were branding and, and, and communicating as a culture back then, we're like, oh, I wish we could go back and live in those times, right? Mm-hmm. So with that all being said... Because I think this question, and maybe, and I don't want it to sidetrack us, so we get more to the, 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 the conclusion, but I do think this question is important because it may give us an idea, you know, Christ commands us to, to know the signs of the times. How late are the times? Because how long ago, how long ago was it that the church had the kind of influence in the culture, Todd? that this kind of book was not required to write because Francis Schaeffer thought it was required to write the previous generation. Because if we're, if we're three generations into this now, or we're heading into a third generation, then brother, the hands are a lot closer to midnight than maybe even we think. Right? Yeah. So I think that's a pertinent question to ask. How long ago was it? I don't know. Because better than who we are today, where we don't know what a woman is, where it it used to be, it used to be in a state like South Carolina, and I'm not saying this is right either, okay? But it used to be in a state like South Carolina. If... If if it was if a, if a, if it was known that you were shacking up with a man that's not your husband, and thought you were going to run for public office behaving like that, we'd have to keep the posse away. If you know what I'm trying to say, brother. In mm-hmm. another in, in another era that ain't all that long ago, now you show up at a gay affirming church, and the previous generation of South Carolinians would not have even known what that was. Okay, now you show up at a gay affirming church for the prayer breakfast and just announce it to everybody, and you get elected to Congress and and become more popular doing that, right? Yes. So, how far down the rabbit hole are we here? Because better than this day and age doesn't mean that the previous era was good. It can mean that. I don't know. I mean, I was a little kid, you know. I mean, I don't know. I I was a little kid. I, I I'm old enough to remember. My mom just saying, hey, dinner's at six. Go over, go do what you want. And then we were living in Florida at the time. Adam Walsh got kidnapped at that Hollywood, Florida mall. And wasn't his head or something terrible or his hand or sent to his father or something like that. And then after that, like suddenly the whole world changed. And the idea that until I was more older and, you know, more aware of things, the idea that now at seven, eight, nine years old, I could just go out and traverse the neighborhood and just know to be home for dinner at six. That suddenly ended. That whole era just ended like that. And then Johnny Gosh happened right after that. Right. Okay. So I don't know. Just because it's better than the era in which we live now doesn't mean it was necessarily good either. You know, so I don't know. I, I, well, I'm not old enough to know. I don't think there. You're talking about raised this current era. I mean, they're they're attached at the hip. It, it, this is this is Robert Bark slouching towards Gamora. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, how close to the off ramp are we to the destination? Is what I'm asking. You need. You, you know not the day or the hour, Steve. Um, 
But we should be acting as if it's yesterday, because it sure as hell looks like it. What do you think, Aaron? Is you got a young family at home? Mm-hmm. Even you probably don't even want to contemplate questions like this, given that, right? Oh, I already have. In terms of the car analogy that you uh, that you're using here, it's really really foggy, but it's coming up sometime, and it'll will careen towards that exit ramp when it gets there. But it's hard to see right now. I've already, I just, from my viewpoint, I've already prepared myself. I don't want to say resigned myself, but prepared myself, seeing the the signs of the times being what they are, that myself, my family, and my offspring, and I'll, I'll do as much as I possibly can within my power to prevent this from happening, but we're, we, will, we will likely be a dissident, as we talked about in the last chapter. We are already playing uh, in the visiting team's stadium. Mm-hmm. It's better to just accept that now, accept that that is probably where we're going, not as an excuse to give up the fight at all, not, Lord, no, but just knowing that hard times will be ahead. Knowing that hard times will be ahead and that you, you will have to be, a, what do we talk about all the time? Just this posture of nimbleness that it's, that's going to be required for all believers. All people who love their Lord in this country and in this civilization that we call uh, Western. So I've, I've already contemplated this. I've already made the decision that whenever it is, whether we're upon it now, whether it happened yesterday, that we were, are just going to have to be nimble and move very quickly. Pardon the book, uh, Pat, there while you're making a powerful point. Sorry. But what you, what you just said and what Todd, you and I were just discussing, I think is now an excellent segue to this conclusion. And we can kind of narrow the conclusion down to this. Is what is suggested here by Dr. Evans at the end of this chapter, the plan that he lays out, is it sufficient for what we are truly up against here, in your view. It's impossible right now. He's doing a... He's, see, that's what I think is interesting, that he has to give this entire lecture. This is a football lecture to a church, and then the last chapter is like, you know, go out and uh, this is what we do to fix the culture. The church can't fix the culture right now because the church isn't the church. Hmm. Here's my view of the final chapter. And I want to be as respectful to Dr. Evans as I possibly can be, which is why I probably shouldn't make the analogy that I'm about to make. But this final chapter was kind of like a whoopee cushion at the end of this book, in my view. There's a lot of good things, but what I'm about to lay out, I, I, think, I think you'll understand why it's not sufficient. So he boils this down to three action plans, assemble, address, and act. And under, under each subsection, there are specific points. Under assemble, there are one, two, three, four, five, six points. Under address, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine points. Under act, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points. Again, there are a lot of good stuff. I read each and every one of these points. And not a single one 
was assemble the men, address the men, get the men to act. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good stuff, but there's also some head scratching stuff. The first thing under assemble, start or join a racially or denominationally diverse fellowship of kingdom-minded pastors in your local area. There's nothing wrong with that. Why is that number one? There's a lot of stuff under uh, address. That, that's good. Discussion groups, prayer session, sessions. Act. There's a lot of really good stuff under act. Coordinate collective voice and petitions, letter writing, phone calls, other ways to influence political leadership to bring about righteousness. We've talked about this over and over again, and we've talked about this in this book, in the course of this book, probably multiple times. But what ails the culture is the church, and what ails the church is the state of the men. And to not address that in no uncertain terms on any of these. What did I count up there? What was it? Uh, almost 20 subpoints on these subsections, and nothing about the men? I'm sorry, that's just not going to cut it. Again, a lot of good things, a lot of good action items, but you left the main thing out there, and that's the state of the men. And again, we are coming, I want to give this qualifier to end this. We are coming at this from the Steve Day Show perspective, okay? Yeah, yeah. We are coming at this from the Steve Day Show perspective. And I wonder if there is a little bit of, in Dr. Evans' mind, we just have to take a baby step here. Because he is, a, he is acutely aware of what I'm talking about. Let's just take a baby step here. Let's just get the, them to assent to something like, let's do something here. Maybe that's what he had in mind. Because what I saw in that last chapter is basically a Christian radio, politically correct way of laying out. That's kind of the, as far as I can push, push the church's Overton window. See, that's what, when, when I'm given the opportunity to talk uh, with uh, Steve uh, Day Show viewers uh, in person, like I was, uh, Steve and Aaron were very, very busy, obviously, when uh, the Blaze came here to Des Moines for the Family Leader event. I was talking with all kinds of people. I, at the time, that was one of my purposes uh, for being there. And the way people come to us not and say thank you, for either helping them rediscover or find faith or be regarding COVID. It's not because they said, and thank you for speaking to me about baby steps. It's always the opposite. You grab me by the throat. You hit me in the wherevers, you know, you woke me up. Thank you for doing that. There's no time for baby steps. There's just no time. And here, listen, I, all the nonsense seemingly more than ever about the uh, people coming after me with their genius takes on Catholicism but hey right now that video you guys you said going around I just I, I was right it was from 2019 it's from a circuit a circus was performing it wasn't at mass a circus was performing uh, in front of the Pope it looked weird Okay, but this is a global church. You're going to run into some weirdness. But here's the thing. Why are people right now bringing that up? It's because there's a synod taking place amongst various leaders, thinkers within the Catholic Church. And it's called the Synod on Synodality, which means, uh, it, is it like, uh, beyond just the, 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 the clergy, 
the, th the thinkers of the church, the, the lay people, how far does that stretch out into something akin to democratic decision making? Because obviously the, the, the Catholic Church is not a, uh, a, a democratic uh, process inherently, but this pope... And his socialist leanings want more and more voices and thinking like that. And it's pushing the, the boundaries. And it's doing it at the very time where there's like, it's, it's not like the wheel, the, you know, the trains are really running on time in Western civilization. It's chaos everywhere. It's moral chaos anywhere. And we want to have this kind of conversation. So while I think it's not even remotely accurate what the people are trying to do with that video... I understand why they're doing it because my church in terms of the practical application bringing back to what Steve was talking about is an absolute farce these days and it has a lot to do with what Aaron just got done saying about men there's not no neat and tidy way of grabbing men who want to spend all their time in basically the equivalent of an entertainment brothel to wake them up This isn't complicated. Doesn't mean it's not going to be, it's definitely not going to be easy either. Men who don't want to be waking up are going to fight back. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be messy. It's going to be bloody. This is where we are. There's no, that's what was disappointing about the end of this book. There's no luncheon or barbecue that you're going to get to have that is going to open the eyes and open the ears. I think there is one important point in this conclusion that is a positive. And I am not just going to bring it up because I feel compelled to. Because <laughs> I agree that overall the conclusion is kind of a disappointment compared to the rest of the book. But the word unity is used a lot in this, in this conclusion. And I, and, I, and I do think that is vitally important. Yes. The scriptures make it very clear how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity and praise the Lord. Uh, Jesus prayed, I, I, I pray, Father, that you would not take them out of the world, but that you would keep them in the world and that they would be one. Okay? The, the triple braided cord is tougher to break. Now, you have to understand, though, the, 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 the unity that the Bible is talking about is not the kind of unity that we humanistically talk about. It is, it is not a unity found in setting aside your differences or, or convictions uh, to, to form a, a, a rotary club or a do-gooder network. It's not that at all. Jesus said, I didn't come to ring peace, but a sword. Family members will turn on each other over me. All right, enter through the narrow gate. My sheep hear my voice. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All right, so unity as the world defines it, which is we essentially are just really nice to each other to do some do-gooder stuff while we completely set aside the things that we claim to believe the most. That's not the biblical definition of unity. The biblical definition of unity is that you set aside what you find to be the most comforting things in order to unite with people that may make you uncomfortable, but share your similar convictions. So the paradigm is completely opposite. Completely opposite. And I, I, I do think his 
his repeated use of this term will be vitally important in this era. Who's the remnant? Right? I mean, the, the early church drew fish, drew the, the, the sign of the fish in the dirt to kind of know that was kind of a, a, a secret password. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that was the first century Ovaltine Dakota ring. That's how I know. All right. We're simpaticos. We're safe here. All right. Uh, that I, I do think that we're going to end up finding ourselves, if we, if we want to win, then we're going we're gonna to have to be willing to, to find ourselves maybe aligned with people that won't always make us comfortable to be aligned with. And it might even be people that go to a different kind of church than you go to. But on the, on the core close-handed fundamentals, there is ironclad agreement. And then maybe on those things in the open hand, there's an awful lot of disagreement. And the reason why that matters is we've been, in, in, in the West, we've been permitted a level of comfort that most of the time our churches do not splinter or divide over doctrine. Like a good reason to do it. But over what makes us uncomfortable. What kind of music are we playing? How am I required to dress? The, the kinds of things that if you're in an underground church in Beijing, you don't have the luxury of even contemplating. But for us, given the level of comfort that we have, been, we have been permitted to have, the idea of acting on conviction instead of what makes us uncomfortable will be a whole new custom, a whole new language, and we're going to have to learn it in this era. So if we could end this thing on a positive note, given the fact we all agreed at the beginning that overall this book was a worthwhile yes. exercise, I think that maybe is the point that's the most positive out of this conclusion, even if the rest of it was just kind of... Eh. How about we go with trite? Three non-political questions are next. Your liver is one of the most important organs in your body. How important? Well, it either directs or participates in over 500 key functions in your body every day. That's pretty important. And as we get older, man, the, the tread on that tires it diminishes. Uh, a lifetime of higher cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, cigarettes, statins, uh, or even just living healthy as we get older can put a strain on your liver because we don't, we don't live physically forever. That's why you need the Liver Health Formula. It's an all-natural supplement that contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that can help recharge and protect your liver why do you want to protect your liver? Because if you've got fatty liver, you're about three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. Manufactured right here in the USA and approved by American doctors, you can try the Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of nano-powered omega-3s to keep your heart healthy right now. Right now at getliverhelp.com Steve. Getliverhelp.com Steve. Go there. Get the help your liver needs and your free bonus gift at getliverhelp.com slash Steve. It is time now for three non-political questions. 
We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. And that means it's time for my oldest daughter, Anastasia. She's got the three non-political questions for us, Princess. How are we doing? Good. I'm extremely tired, and all of these women lied to me. They told me that when I got to the second trimester, I would just have this boost of energy. No. And I was actually texting with Aaron's wife, and she was like, yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> oh, now we told you. Yes. Okay. She was like, those women were lying. <laughs> so, all right. There we go. <laughs> so good afternoon. Yeah, I'm yeah. exhausted, but good afternoon. All right. Good, good after- what did he say in the Truman Show? Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yes. I know you love The Truman Show. That's one of your all-time favorite movies. It is one of my favorite movies. How many, how many times have you seen it We got in a fight over it, actually, that one time. Do you remember that? I do, because you wanted to watch it for family movie night every single time it was your turn. I would actually time. only picked it once, and then we went through the family movie night log, and I was actually correct. And then we watched it that night. But, but you would have picked it every time if I would have let you. I do. It's one of my most favorite movies, top three. Yeah, I know you love it. I how love many, that how many times have you seen it now, do you think? Definitely over 20 times. Over 20 times? I love it. Okay. I think it's a great movie. You know, I've seen at least some of Superman, the motion picture, over 230 times. Really? Yeah, I stopped counting when I got to 230. That's like when Zoe watched that one Disney Channel movie. Do you remember that? Like 40 times? Yes. Yeah. Is that? <laughs> and the, she'd is, keep was, count and she'd let us know. Was that the Sharpay one? No, it was the Descendants movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember. And I, did, the, like, and, and I had to take her to Target and get everything in the, in the... Well, I didn't have to. I just chose to and get her everything in the Descendants section. Yes. yes. And then uh, Noah watched Astro Boy so much <laughs> that, that the, the like DVD literally the DVD, exploded. Yeah. It exploded <laughs> and, and, and blew up and said, stop playing me. Yes, he loved that movie. Man. He did really love that movie. Yeah. It got exhausting. All right, what do you got for us this week? Okay, so since it is the beginning of fall, I want you guys to rate these pumpkin spice items... Here we go. On a scale of one finally, to ten. Finally. Now we're having a serious conversation. But they're on it was on the list of like the craziest pumpkin spice items. So okay. it's right. ten being, oh, that sounds amazing. Or and one being you gross. Okay. All right. So number one is pumpkin spice salmon. I I you know, I I could go for that. I'd give it at least a five. Is it smoked as well? <laughs> it's whatever you want it to be. Sure. <laughs> not like it's, it's, it's whatever you want it to be, so you guys will participate. A, is it served on a fine handmade coffee table? <laughs> <laughs> is it served? Just the deadpan way that he said that so seriously cracked me. Up. Is it served on a uh, pine plank? <laughs> so I'll give it a six if it's smoked. There we go. I already don't like salmon. So it couldn't make it. What is your problem? Any worse? I don't. I don't like seafood in general, and I I view it as a problem because I wish I did. I like the visuals. I like a lot of things about it, but it just. I, I don't. It none of it tastes right to me. So it's just a. It's a me thing. So uh, I, I don't think this seems to make it better or worse automatically. So I'll just go five. Okay. Okay. Number two, pumpkin spice gouda. Oh, the cheese. Um, oh man, no. I'd give that like a well, nine. One. I bet that'd be terrific. Is it no. smoked gouda? <laughs> <laughs> smoked gouda is better than regular gouda. That's, that's true. That's great, Aaron. That's great. Do six if it's smoked. If it's dude gouda, I bet that would be phenomenal. 
It's just like I'm at a nine. No, I'm I'm at a one because don't don't take already great things. This is like like make it greater. No, putting chocolate on bacon, dumb, dumb. You ever had it before? Dumb. It's really good. Sweet and salty. I mean, I've I've shared some chocolate covered bacon with you in the past. And I did not like it. Okay. Last one. (laughs) Last one is pumpkin spice bone broth. Oh yeah, I could go for that. Why just like another seasoning in the soup? Yeah. Mm. I'd give that at least a six. Bone broth is supposed to be savory, not sweet, so a one. Yeah, I'm at a one, too. Give me savory and sweet together. Give me really anything and sweet together. Because I have the palate of of an (laughs) 11-year-old. Yes. Question number two is, what is a fear you have conquered, and how did you conquer it? Um, When I was a little kid, uh, my my first stepdad, Dave, tried to teach me how to swim the old-fashioned way. And he just threw me in a river and I nearly drowned to death. And so I was like scared of the water for like several years after this as a little kid and couldn't take, no one could teach me to swim. I didn't trust him to do it again. And uh, we were living in Florida at the time. And of course it's, you know, mm-hmm. it's swim weather year round. And in the apartment complex we lived in, that's where all the kids my age and stuff hung out all the time was at the swimming pool. You know, and then I'd be kind of down there in the shallow end. <laughs> hey, guys. Like the dude in Goonies. Okay. Hey, guys. You know, and uh, I finally just got tired of it. And so I taught myself how to swim. I just decided I just got tired of it. I got tired of being called a wimp. I got tired of not knowing how to do it. And I just went into the deep end and just did it myself. You know, figured there's enough people around. If it starts to, if, I, if something goes wrong or somebody, you know, somebody will pull me out and I'll be okay. And I just kind of emulated what everybody else did and just did it myself. And now, I mean, you know, growing up with me, I mean, I, I love the water now. I mean, I can, I, I can swim like a fish, just not for as long as I used to be able to. Um, you know, you, we've gone to the water parks. You've, you've seen me take the one, the slides at the very top of the, mm-hmm. of, the, of the tower there, you know. I love, now I can't get enough of it, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I had to conquer that fear. I was probably about 10 years old when I just finally had had enough of it and said, I've just got to get over this and figure it out. So I did. Todd? Um, I don't... Well, I, I have, have no fear. Fears. <laughs> I had no fears. No, I was like, ro- like ro- roller coasters, but I think this is pretty common, like as a, as a kid, and, and because of heights, like not flying heights, but like ledges edges that kind of thing weirds mm-hmm. me it's still to this day but the like i don't know a lot with a lot of fears in life there's not i'm not going to hand you a book you know you don't read the 10 steps most of them aren't phobias they don't run as deep as you think they do you know how i did it whenever that the first time i did it which i was a roller coaster i think the first time i was on a roller coaster would have been middle school age or something like that i just got on the ride so just there it is do it so this is it was a little bit of a of a fear but growing up kind of on a small farm uh there's a lot of manual labor and i i hated manual labor it was just (laughs) miserable and then i got my first like job hourly job at a fast food place in in lamoni where i grew up here in iowa and i realized how you know, it was, it was a good job for me, but I realized, hey, I'm only here for like, what, 14 hours a week. And it's kind of, 
hard and boring and weird and got to deal with the public. My dad is working 40 plus hours a week at a factory. Uh, I should probably start doing my fair share, a little bit more of my fair share at home. And that's how I got over my fear of manual labor by just doing it. Still don't enjoy it necessarily, but uh, that's that's how it just by just by doing it and realizing that it's necessary a lot of times. That's good stuff. Before we get to question number three, you know, cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. And we're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your crazy neighbor. We're talking about our sponsor and our friends over at Fume. That's F-U-M, F-U-M, Fume. And they look at your problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is bad. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, fume uses all natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easier. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial, and it's designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, which gives your fingers a lot to do that's helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while you're breaking your habit. Stopping is something you've put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers with thousands of success stories, so try it today. By picking up the journey pack, head to tryfume.com, use the code Steve. Try F-U-M, as in Mary. Tryfume.com, use the code Steve to save 10% off the journey pack today. That's tryfume, F-U-M.com, and use the code Steve to save an additional 10% off your order today. All right, question three. And then my last question for you guys is, what is one goal you have yet to accomplish? Obviously being like a non-political goal. So like, but what is one personal goal that you have yet to accomplish in your life that you want to? Aaron, I'll let you take this one first. That's a good question. Hmm. There are a couple of different things. I I was neck deep into getting my pilot's license. Then I got married and had a kid. And I think I would still like to finish that someday. Just today is not that day, but it's a really cool. I mean, I was able to fly by myself in a, in a little uh, Cessna and I could do it. Landing is hard, but you know, I'm still here. So I, I think getting my pilot's license some 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 uh, someday uh, further down the road still on my list. Hmm. That's a good one. Hey, Todd. Well, as you know, my philosophy is such that if I were a single man, I think most of my possessions should be able to go into the back of a pickup truck at any one time. So this, uh, I would love to be able to pull up, to go on a drive with my uh, wife, pull up to a house and say, that's yours because I bought it for you. That's a great one. Her, you know, her dream, not a mansion. We're not those people, but like, because of the nonsense she puts up with me, I'd love to be able to do that one day. That's pretty cool. Um, I've got two. One of them is I've always wanted to do the whole Madden Cruiser thing for a football season and just go to a, a game each, the, one game each week that I wanted to go to and just but Madden Cruiser it, you know, instead of dealing with airports and everything else, just have the, the big luxury bus like Madden had back in the day because he was afraid of flying, you know. I'm not afraid of flying. I'm just I'm, I'm afraid of uh, of airlines. 
right? Um, but, uh, and just, you know, relax. You can work back there. We, I do the show from the road, you know? Uh, I love that idea, but that seems probably like way too self-serving and fanciful. I don't know, man. Get a Mercedes-Benz uh, Sprinter. Uh, far, far less expensive, and you can basically do the, the same type of thing. I'll, I've never even heard of it. I'll look that up. Okay. Is it smoked? Is it <laughs> smoked Mercedes. <laughs> nice. I'm going to pick something that's simpler and plainer, though. All right. Man, I can almost get there. I just cannot quite get there. I would love to be in a situation where I was just down to a standard XL in every shirt. So, I mean, I'm, I'm only one pant size above, um, you know, when I was playing sports as a kid, I, was, I wear a 36 now, I wore a 34 then. I think for a guy my age with my frame, that's totally fine. If I could get myself, though, down into... Um, an XL, just a standard XL, no matter what style of shirt it was, I'd love that. I can almost get there, but I just can't quite get over the hump with that. So that, I'll make that mine. Anything else? It is only three questions. It is. That is the segment. All right. Thank you, Princess. You're welcome. Appreciate it. So, guys, just to show we, we just can't do anything right as a culture right now. I have been... I, I, out of curiosity, I went and looked at the reviews for the new Exorcist movie. Wait, there's a new Exorcist movie? There is. Blumhouse, which is kind of the big horror um, studio. They're kind of the modern day Hammer Studios. You remember? No. You know, you know, Hammer Studios from way back in the day. That's where people learned about Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Okay, for the first time. But uh, they are trying to reboot the Exorcist franchise. And you haven't seen that trailer? It's like everywhere. Yeah, I've seen it's it. It's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. And so out of curiosity this morning, I went and read the reviews. Now, the movie is called The Exorcist, right? That's the name of the movie, right? That's okay. what it's called, right? Okay. What, Todd, what's an exorcist? Well, a Catholic clergyman mm-hmm. who casts out demons. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Like an official designation... Yes. It's a very specific title. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Not all priests are. I mean, it's specialized training within... And and specific even to a singular religion, in fact. Otherwise, it would not be called the exorcist, right? Yeah, traditionally. I mean, I guess I can't totally speak to whether or not other branches have some version of it, but yes. Okay. Apparently, in, in this movie, reading the reviews, and the reviews for it are terrible, by the way. Like, it's at 22% or something on Rotten Tomatoes. It's terrible. The reviews are bad. A witch doctor. Like, they bring in, like, a consortium of people to cast out the enemy. And one of them is a witch doctor. Okay, But the movie is called The Exorcist. Because you're in on this kind of stuff, before you saw this... What was your understanding of this being done in relation to the original? Like, so a they, reboot, brought, they brought they brought they no, they brought Ellen Burstyn back. She's still alive. So the, it's the part, original mom. It's like they brought her sequel. back. Yeah, like the, if you watch the trailer anyway, I don't know anything about it other than that I've seen the trailer. I saw the trailer when I went and saw took Amy to see the new Agatha Christie movie. Okay, and then and the trailer is in there, and they make it very clear that this is meant to p- 
pick up where the previous series left off. And Reagan's mom, played by Ellen Burstyn, who was the original actress from 40 years ago or 50 years ago now, actually, because the original Exorcist came out in 73. So that's 50 years ago. She is brought back. Okay to help people figure out what's going on with these two girls because she's maybe has some experience. Is there a line in there where she says, what's with the witch doctor? Because he wasn't here last time. (laughs) I just just shook my head. I just thought, my gosh, we just suck at everything now. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.